chapter 10, verse 15 of Hebrews. And let's start out with a prayer and then we'll go from there. Lord, again, thank you so much for your holy scriptures. We thank you for the opportunity we have to uh, come together, discuss them, uh, to be uh, probed in our souls by your, uh, your words and your holy words. And so allow them to change us, allow them to uh, mold us into your image each and every day. And thank you again for our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, we are starting with, again, verse 15. I'm going to read 15 through 18. Um, we almost got into this last week, and so I just, I think we uh, didn't quite explore it. So 15 through 18 says, And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so, for he says, This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. So we need to go back, set up some of the context as well of what we looked at at the beginning of chapter 10. But you have, um, again, this whole idea that this old system was not adequate enough to bring the renewal and redemption of the hearts of the people because ultimately God seeks the heart. God wants us to do his will and do his will through our hearts, not just through a legal system. And so the old system was really imperfect, inadequate, talks a lot about beginning of chapter 10 as well, that the sins will not be remembered. Uh, We get that repeated here. But again, the old system was not complete, and so there's this new system or new covenant. We're talking about new covenant in Christ, and God has established that, and he seeks to, our offering to him would be an obedience to his will, love of heart, our heart being in tune with what he's wanting to accomplish, and um all those things. So it kind of gets into some obedience, but at the same time gets in our understanding today as we hear about forgiveness again um, and how important that is. So we have this good news that we can share to people and um, it uh, ultimately living in a life uh, with Christ and in this new covenant makes us sort of perfect as we grow in faith um, because we are moving towards perfection, as we would say, as a Wesleyan as well. So we got uh, verse 15, 16, 17, and 18. Verses 16 through 17 is at Jeremiah 31, 33. It's a repeat of chapter 8. We've already dealt with that little portion before. Uh, it's, uh, it seems to be a little different when you read it in this context. But you have this promise of the forgiveness of sins, that the very uh, sins that we have in our lives, this lawless deeds will be forgiven, okay? And verse 18 really tells us the depth of this new covenant and really what it's based, it's characterized by the very forgiveness of our sins. The forgiveness of our sins is a characteristic of this new covenant, Um, and again, he will remember their sins and lawless deeds no more. Basically, he'll never remember them. And when sin 
Sins have been forgiven. There is no need to offer any more sacrifices going back. Again, relationship to the Old Testament or the Old Covenant in the Old Testament that we hear about is faulty because they had to redo the offerings, sin offerings over and over and over, and they were doing them every day, but with Christ once and for all, once and for all. So the new covenant is characterized by a forgiveness of sins. That's one of the major parts of the new covenant in Jesus Christ. So um, let's go on to uh, 19 through 25, and it says... And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and living, life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty conscience. consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we can affirm for God has, uh, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So we have um, an encouragement here from the preacher, from the author to persevere in faith. And we know that that's one of the key things why this letter was being written uh, or this sermon was being preached was because they were running up against some persecution, some suffering, some reason to give up on what they knew. And so they, uh, this is a call to perseverance and to keep that faith. Verse 19 um, speaks to, because we are forgiven, we then can go into the very presence of God. And we don't need to go into the presence of God sheepishly, cautiously. We can go in boldly. And that is a whole new deal, right? Again, coming out, talking about the old covenant, we would be talking about how we would have to be hidden and it was only the high priest that could go in there once a year and you could you couldn't see God, you couldn't be really be with God, you had to have all these incense to protect you from God. And now it says, no, you are totally forgiven, totally cleansed in that sense. You can walk into God's presence boldly. Again, it changes the very understanding of who God is, really. It's not this fiery beast or man up on a you know throne waiting to strike you down. This is a God that wants to be in relationship with you and has given you the very way to get into a relationship with him. And you can, you can go boldly, which would be uh, confidence, right? Confidence of, of relationship. You know, you can trust this person. They can trust you anyway. So it's that. Um, any thoughts? Any, anything about any of that? Uh, Verse 20, by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Again, a whole new way of living. And this new way of living is life-giving. 
And where does it give life? Who does it give life to? It gives life to you. It gives life to others because you live in Christ. It's just the way God has done it, you and others. Um, So again, it's a new way. Uh, The old way wasn't a way at all, actually, you could say. Because the whole point of a way is to get you to a destination and get you to God, and the old way never got you to God, okay? So again, the argument, the old was just obsolete and was obsolete long ago, but the new way, totally different. That brings life. That gets you into the very presence of God, so... And remember where we're headed to, we're about to get to chapter 11. If you know Hebrews, that's a chapter of faith. So it's about to support all this about if you keep that faith, look what's going to happen. Look what, you know, we're going to use some examples. You know, we'll see some examples of that. So, um, Talking about a new way of living, uh, I heard it said, and I thought this was interesting. I wrote this down. Liberation is very disruptive. I thought that was interesting. Liberation. We have nothing left to lose. Right. But it is disruptive, though, isn't it? When you're liberated, I mean, it is disruptive because it takes, it, it, it changes, it, it, it like throws your world upside down and just it's just different. So, yeah. Anytime there's any kind of change, <clears throat> mm-hmm. it's going to affect all different, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's going to affect people that you're in contact with as well as your own life. Yeah. Freedom like that's just disruptive for sure. And a lot of people cry out for freedom, but they really don't want it. Right. They don't and, want it. Because so they're scared of this disruption. A prisoner of liberation. That's right. Well said. Well said. Uh, yeah. You know, so when you're looking at well gone, you know, People want for God to give direction, control direction, right? Predetermination, right? And and right. But they they long for free will, mm-hmm. know, and you can't have both. Mm-hmm. Well, and you, um, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's an interesting discussion too. First, verse twenty-two. Just some highlight. Um, <clears throat> We have uh, let us go right into the presence of God, right into the, I mean, you know, let us be assured, let us approach it with a true heart and full assurance. Again, we can go boldly, we can have full access, um, but it really is important to have a true heart of faith and trust, and that's required. Faith and trust. Uh, Your heart is full of faith and trust, then that's required. That's different than your life has it. You have your life all together. That's different than you have all your behaviors all together. Okay, that's different. And I'm not challenging saying those things aren't good. You should have those things too. Your life together, someone. You should have. You know, you shouldn't be walking away from God's will. But some people, um, in the sense of holiness, but. Uh, some people need to go into the very full access of God and come front, face him, face to face, basically, uh, no matter how much of a wreck their life is. 
you know, it's kind of what you were saying earlier, Nancy. So they really want that, but they really don't want it. They're scared to death to do it because God would then have control. So, um, so we were talking a little bit about this last week as we talked about what well, is their response. There is a response. God seeks a response from us. He doesn't do all this work so that we can just go, well, that was neat. You know, I mean, it's, it's a needs a response, right? Uh, he wants uh, our hearts to be changed. He wants our faith. He wants our trust. So he, he is desiring a response, and it is necessary um, because of the work he has done. But this is a heart thing, not a do thing. So that's, that's you know, again, you don't, you're not doing everything perfect. Then you like, oh, you get access. It's a heart thing. You know, you need to trust, you need to, to believe and um, have faith. And then God's going to make those changes, make radical changes maybe in your life and your behaviors once that comes, once you get into his presence. So for sure. Verse 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God had uh, can be trusted to keep his promises. Again, don't focus on the how You are already there, basically. But let us go. Let us, you know, let us move into the very promises that God gives us. And then verse 24, let us be activated. Let us think of ways we can motivate one another to be activated and be spurred on towards good works, towards the things that God seeks for us to do um, because of our faith, because of the response that we've had and trust and belief in the promises in verse 25, um, and let us not neglect our meeting together. We talked about this in our develop series a little bit as well, but being connected to the body of Christ, which is the church, is essential to having the type of heart uh, that seeks to do the will of God. It's going to be really, really hard to have the heart that seeks to do the will of God when you're outside the very establishment that Jesus came to establish to give you that encouragement, to give you the truth, to give you the nourishment, to give you whatever that is. So to do that by yourself, again, is out of the very community, the body of Christ. That's, that's really not a Christian life. It's really not a Christian life. So, um, Any thoughts on any of that stuff? Anybody have anything? It says the day of his return is drawing near. They wrote that a long time ago. He hadn't come back yet that I know of. So, um, but they believe that they didn't know, you know, when that was. We don't know, but they uh, they firmly believe that he would be coming back sooner than later, for sure. So, I wonder if there's a difference between coming back and coming back to stay. Well, like coming back from a standpoint of, I mean, there's different things in Revelation. Yeah, I. You're not talking about that. Sort no. There, there's the new kingdom. Yes. Okay. But you know, uh, Christ came back for Paul. I just wondered if, if Christ, oh, I gotcha. you know, comes back. 
Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You know, Well, I think that probably wouldn't be meant here, but that that's worthy. He, I got you what you're saying, though. I'm sure, yeah, I would say Christ comes back, appears to people, or, you know, and those type of things. But I think they were talking about the the very return and the, yeah. I guess you could, whatever you want to call it, the, the second coming type stuff. So, the rapture. I guess the rapture would be at that that time, maybe. Yeah. My repairman kicked work at the house. Yeah. Talked about that. He said, yeah. Rapture's coming. That's why things are all falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How come it's costing me all this money? I know. And you're the cause of it, it sounds like. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but isn't it interesting it's that funny. we all might use different terms and we really mm-hmm. don't know what it's going to be like? Yeah, that's it's right. The hope that we have in our heart. Mm-hmm. But people get all caught up on what it's yeah. going to be. I know that's what right. it's going to be like. Yeah. This is the term. And really, we just. It's, yeah. It's the hope that's of right. being with Jesus. <laughs> we have a lot more tribulation before Jesus comes again, though, if you know the Bible in the series of Revelation. So there's like three, like there's, there's like seven years of tribulations. So if he's about to come, y'all better hang on because there's about a bunch of death about all sorts of stuff about to happen. So anyway. Um, me too. Let's move on. Let's talk about the real life, the new life in Jesus. Anyway. Or he won't come back until the war horns when it has <laughs> longhorns. Don't cut your hair until the longhorns win. That's what uh, that's what Hager does, right? He's not gonna ever cut his hair because they ain't gonna win the. They might not win the Big Twelve championship. I know he is. <laughs> All right. Um, so verse uh, twenty. See how far we need. Ooh, man, that's a lot. Um, let me see where I can stop. We'll stop somewhere. So verse 26, starting there. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refuses to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant, which made us holy as if it were common and unholy, and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. For we know the one who said, I will take revenge, I will pay them back. He also said, the Lord will judge his own people. I'm going to stop there. Um, We'll stop there. Um, It seems like the premise for every bad dessert. Yeah, this is it right here. Yeah, so that's the question. So what is the sin here? Not from a standpoint where like we've dealt with the blasphemy stuff and all that, but what's, what is the sin that technically, 
I mean, we, we, can, we know this answer from the argument, from the, from the teachings before. But what sin would he be talking about, the author, the preacher, be talking about? So, I mean, it's in here, but... Yeah, yeah. right, right, right. It's, it's a willful sin. And a, so let's put it in the context, though, of what this audience is about. This is a willful sin of abandoning what they know to be true and had already known what to be true. Okay, that's most likely what scholars would would say. That's a rough way of sort of putting together everything. So it's like, so what sin is it that, you know, we're like, if you continue, go on, deliberately continue sinning after we've received the knowledge of truth. Well, it's this whole thing. If you, this audience, not you, this audience goes back to the old covenant thinking it's going to save you, you are sinning. You are not believing the promises of God and ultimately that's not going to save you and that's going to be a bad deal because you just abandoned the truth. So that's kind of this whole, this whole part. Um, truth meaning the revelation of Jesus Christ for this audience, for us too, for, you know, um, to abandon Christianity, go back to Judaism. So because there's no longer any sacrifices that can meet. Do you see where that comes in? Um, so there's no any there's no no longer any sacrifices that will cover these sins because you can't go back to the old system because that system's obsolete and it doesn't work anymore. And if you make all those offerings that they make, it's still not going to cover your sins. So don't do that. Okay. Don't go to the old system. It won't do it. It won't work. So, um, and verse 29, just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who, and again, where the grace, where's all the grace, all that stuff. But to miss Christ and his work is to miss everything that God has done and is doing. So that's really scary to think about. It's not so much the punishment stuff, but really if we believe these promises, we believe Christ is who Christ is, um, we would say to miss that work, to miss the work of Christ, I mean, that's to miss everything that God is doing in the story of humanity. That is scary, right? That is really scary. So... um, that's, I always, and I've said this before, I always argue with teenagers when I was a youth director about, well, I just want the truth. I want to go out there and find the truth. I'm like, yeah, you probably don't really want to find the truth. Because <laughs> if you're really looking for the truth, it probably would smack you in the face. You wouldn't really like that, you know? It'd probably be God. You probably already know the truth, you know? I mean, they already knew the truth. They just didn't want to really live in the truth, so... Um, what that means for other people, what that means for people who have never heard, what that means for folks. It's a, it's, a, it's a sense of urgency. It's a sense of why we should be alive as a church, uh, why children, you know, uh, Priscilla does her job, like why we need good, healthy, you know, discipling of kids and youth and adult, you know, all that stuff. So they don't miss all that God is doing. So, yes? I have a question. Mm-hmm. Would you uh, 
term people that have trampled on the Son of God and decreed the blood of the covenant uh, is unholy, would you couch them as sinners or evil people? And I'm thinking about Psalm 1. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's, thanks for the answer, Jack. That's great. I like it. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Not all sinners are evil, but all well, evil are sinners. Yeah, that's why I'm wondering. Right. Hmm. So, like the other version is, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by those who have spurned the Son of God, profaned the blood of the covenant by which they were sanctified, and outraged the Spirit of grace? That's interesting. Seems to me he's preaching uh, uh, to Jews. He he he's he's casting this this question like the God of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. the one one of purity and judgment. I think and trying to relate that back yeah. to what's happening now. I think I think that would be so like you asked the question for us now, Nancy. This is for the people who are listening to this two thousand years ago or so who were Jewish Christians. Well, that's- Right, so I don't know, I mean, we can answer it for ourselves now, too, but like for this piece of scripture, you would, I think we have to, because I have starred twice, keep it in the context, right here in my notes. So whenever I was doing that, there was this major idea that if you take this all out of context, it might sound way different to us. And so... It does sound different to us if you take it out of context. But if you go, is that where you're kind of getting at, Jeff, a little bit? So there's this, exactly. right, so there's this, there's this, this was for old, this was, this was speaking to Jewish Christians who are thinking of giving up. Don't do that because ultimately you're going to spit in the face of the Son of God. You're going to treat the blood of the covenant that has saved you with, you're going to spurn it. You're going to, I mean, it's going to be terrible. Like that's not what you need to do. Okay, and anyway, so keep the faith. And that's why he's about to back it all up with chapter 11. So uh, here's the faith. verse in John chapter 3. Okay. Uh, it's uh, 336, and it says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Mm-hmm. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, mm-hmm. for God's wrath remains on them. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Rejected the truth. The sun, so grace doesn't apply to you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so I would say that if you want to apply it, I would it'd be interesting to go look at I don't know what context Jesus was speaking that in. Um, there could have been some religious people listening. You know what I mean? Oh Jesus didn't say that. But it's also in the same chapter where we have for God so loved the okay. world that he gave his own. Okay. No, this is John saying. Oh, John is just writing that. Okay. Well, so, right. This is, 
This context works well. I think it works for everybody too. If, if you've heard the truth and you don't do anything with the truth, that's a problem. That's a problem. So, I mean, I, I do believe... I mean, I know we're all worried about who's being... Sometimes we get so wrapped up who's saved, who's not saved, that type of stuff. I know we're all... I, I, yeah, so I don't... To me, on a lot of it is I am... I do believe people, even some people... It's really... Maybe this is a bold statement. Some people who have grown up in some churches have not heard the true gospel. Uh, yeah, so... I believe that there are people you would look at and go, well, they're American and they grew up in churches and they should know the gospel and they've rejected the gospel. Look at the way they're living. I don't know if they've ever been, the real gospel has ever been. And, and what is the, like, we, there's that whole age of accountability thing that other, you know, when is it a child age of accountability, all that stuff. I think there's a lot of that is, is, it's not a child thing, it's an adult thing too. When have they truly been met with the gospel? Right? Um, so, because you look at Paul's life and his conversion, and here's a guy that um, he, he knew the truth. He had, heard, he had heard the truth. He was hunting down these, I mean, there's a reason why he was hunting down the Christians. He knew what they believed, right? So he had heard it all the way, and luckily he just lived long enough to have this Damascus Road experience. So, you know, what if he didn't, right? So there's some, anyway, interesting that, that scripture that she just read talks mm-hmm. about people who deliberately or intentionally reject. I think there are people... That's that, where I you... Think this yeah. is where we have to be really careful mm-hmm. to decide who, who achieves eternal life and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. There may be people who have gone to the grave who haven't rejected Christ. Christ, right. Went to the grave still not, not certain. And I, mm-hmm. I think we do God a real injustice when we assume mm-hmm. that if you haven't done it in this life, you don't have any opportunity to do it in the next. Yeah, I would. I don't That's agree with that. Probably blasphemy to some people. No, I don't. I don't agree I, with I that just, either. I, I think we need to be real. I, I've I'm not. Yeah. People have said, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just so sorry because I'm a right. never right. Uh, right. Jesus. And my reaction to that is, how right. do you know whether right. John, John did or not? <laughs> when it, it seems to me that when we do that, we're limiting God. Or how well do you know that is God? Yeah. I, we don't know God's full. Some of that is. When we deal with those things and the theologies that actually support some of the, oh, is it a post-mortem decision, a pre-mortem decision, death decision, all that stuff, I just think, right, sure. But I think the support of some of that has a lot to do with there are some people who have their faith in the wrong things, even in Christianity. So, and they need this assurance. Like, they don't have assurance in Christ. If they were standing, I worry that if some of those folks, well, you know, you know, we're standing on the promised land. And God said, go into the promised land and you get it. They'd go, I don't believe that. Do you have a little, like, who gets to go in and who doesn't get to go in I test that I can take? Oh, you mean those people do get to go in? Okay, I'm going to go in, too, because that's me. You see what I'm getting at a little bit? I'm kind of being funny about that. But it's sometimes that's the support mechanism that people do because it's an assurance thing because they have the assurance in the wrong thing. 
And then also it's a power play, right? It's a validity thing. The way that you do church, the way that you give authority to a pastor or whatever, um, you know. Yeah, that's that's a different. I tend to address that with people a lot. Yeah, say don't don't say that. Okay, why don't you know? That's right. But that's you know. I agree. You're right. Bible study yeah. To, to, right. To avail yourself of, I mean, just hear the fullness of it. I know. I know. That's right. Well said. All the freedoms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot. The world is just filled with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, they can be. You can hear the story. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, over and over and over. over, and over. Yeah, it wasn't until, you know, he preached it too. Uh, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. We just—it seems yeah. that we should be worried only about about only we should worry about only ourselves getting into heaven. Well, and that would be. Else. Well, the judgment of getting to heaven—you can worry about them. Well, that's what I meant. Yeah, the ju- yes. That's right. Right, I agree with that wholeheartedly. There's people who still would say, mm-hmm. in all sincerity, you know, I believe mm-hmm. that I'm still going to heaven. Right, right. Yeah, you can say that. I mean, you can say that. It's just, it is a terminology that we tend to use that sometimes um, seems to be limited in faith, I guess, is what you were kind of getting at. You know, like but, yeah. but that's a good point. That's a good point. Well, sure yeah, you, know. you know, if you just read oh. this, this mm-hmm. verse that we just got through reading, you know, mm-hmm. 26 through yeah. 31, yep. you'd be saying, I hope I get there too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. It's true. In that context, if we try to apply that stuff to us, you'd read that and go, Wow, like I am trouble, you know? That's why we do have Bible study. That's why we do need to not take just little portions of the Bible out of context and, say, and you know, proof texting, that type of stuff is just not healthy at all because you take that little portion of Scripture, much like other little portions of Scripture, and you go, what is it characterized? What, how does that characterize God? Like, you were mentioning it's kind of like the God of wrath. It's kind of like the Old Testament gig going on there. But we just, before that, had, well, I'm never going to remember any of your sins. You know, so that's where we get into these problems if you don't see the whole characteristic, you know, and if the new covenant is all based on forgiveness of sins and what Jesus has done for us, how can then you have this 26 through 30 and take it out of context, you know, it's really just messes with your head way too much. That's why there is some uncertainty, I think, and why some people haven't heard the true gospel because there's power plays a lot of times. So, yeah, go ahead. Verse 26 says it all. Okay. Okay, what does yours say? 
mm-hmm. truth, mm-hmm. there remaineth no sacrifice for sin. Mm-hmm. So if, if you reject it, mm-hmm. Jesus dying on the cross mm-hmm. can cover your sin. Right. That's where we dealt with that in whatever chapter it was, was yeah. the people that... So you don't have the power to you have you you reject the offering of the true offering, right? The true sacrifice. So it's a tough deal. That, that's not the same thing mm-hmm. as rejecting is intentional and deliberate. Mm-hmm. I dare say that not one of us in this room, mm-hmm. no matter how hard we right. try to be perfect Christians, have to sin. Oh yeah, right, right. Continue to sin. So, yeah, rejecting is a willful understanding that you know the truth, you've whatever, and you're just going to give up on it. Willful rejection has nothing to do with I'm willfully going to go sin. So that's two actually different things. I don't think you were ever Even though, you know. Hmm? I don't think we're ever beyond redemption. I think God's redemption. I think you always got to have the possibility. <laughs> you don't. I mean. The possibility of redemption? Of not being redeemed because that ultimately gives the ability to... Re- you have to have free enough freedom of choice, but that's just... We well, would be free free will people. Yeah, but we, the other is that we aren't beyond it either. It's not saying... Correct. It's oh, I got you. Guaranteed. I got you, yeah. You know, right, 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 I got you. Yeah. I mean, I mean if Great. Paul could be mm-hmm. redeemed to become apostle... Oh, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that was my point, is it... You know, mm-hmm. Paul rejected Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he not he just did. rejected, he also killed many of his followers. Yeah, he was about as bad as he could get. But, but yeah. he was forgiven. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, yeah. So, I, I'm not sure yeah. we're capable of yeah. understanding what God forgives and what he doesn't. Even though this guy says that right. he believes. Right, I got you. I'm not absolutely certain he knows either. (laughs) I'm open to that. To an extent. (laughs) Last one, and we'll move on a little. When we consider this, and there was that one unforgivable sin of rejecting the Holy Spirit. Uh huh. Is this in some form of. Similar, same. Yes, that's right. Because we talked about the very. Like at one point in time, this idea that there was this, like a human being, a person who knew the freedom, the liberty in Christ that, wow, he died for my sins and this power, a Holy Spirit power has come upon them. They have these gifts and the spiritual gifts and they see the spiritual life and all that. And then because of suffering or persecution, they have said, I don't believe that to be true anymore. I literally believe that that Jesus Christ's blood has no more power, right? So they don't believe. And that's what we had sort of settled on as the unforgivable thing and blasphemy because they're denying the Holy Spirit, the power of Christ in them. So that has a little bit to do with this, yes. Remember, here's what Paul had a Damascus Road experience of experiencing Mm -hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. And was completely converted and went around establishing churches and spreading the gospel. And still in Romans chapter 7, he writes, I know the very thing I'm supposed to do, and that's mm-hmm. the thing I don't do. Right. And I know what I'm not supposed to do, and that's mm-hmm. the very thing I go out right. and do. 
Yeah, I think he was talking about sin. Right, only Jesus, right, yeah. yeah. So even Paul, after his conversion, admitted that he wasn't always perfect. Yeah, I would never... I <laughs> but I don't think we're dealing with sin here, person. I don't think we're dealing with sin and the the moral stand. Like going back to that, what we were just talking about of the blasphemy type. That's not moral sin. That's not unconscious or conscious moral sin. That we're we're not talking about. That's not if we keep it in this context. Makes sense. Is that okay with what you're getting? Yes, keeping that in this context. That's not talking about this. We're trying to keep it in the context. Because he said in Galatians, Paul said in Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ. So he died to himself. Even though he was still a sinner, he had died to himself. So thus he did not deny the power of Christ's sacrifice, right? So if you hear it, these, again, in context, just this... For people have heard that and literally then reject it. And I don't, I, like we were talking about, uh, we shouldn't judge and know who did what. I don't even know how you do that. So don't even ask me because I've never done that and I don't want to do it. So I don't even, how do you get to that place in your life? I don't know. Maybe nobody's ever gotten to that place in their life. I don't know. Right? What is it like? So. College Many go through, you know, I'm this, I'm that, I don't believe right. this, I don't believe that. Right. You know, they take a philosophy course. And, Do you, you think know, seeking and searching and trying to find the true gospel or the true truth? No. I wouldn't say God doesn't allow that. No. I would yeah, hate I to think that God, oh. oh, that person died in a car accident. Well, let's throw them in the fiery hills. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I just have a different picture of the Lord. But. What a, what I was getting to, even if they reject mm-hmm. it at that point, yeah. you know, in their youth, yeah. that, that that's not permanent. There is redemption. They can come back. Now you're getting way too progressive, buddy. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, no, I'm messing with you. But that's where we were talking about. I know, I know, I know. But I would say I still am a believer, and I've read a book on post-mortem decisions, and it was scripturally tons of scriptures that support that. I'm just not smart enough to remember what I read because that was like 25, six years ago, whatever it was. So I need to find that book again, but I'm convinced that there is probably some particular post-mortem event. So it does say... I don't know how to get rid of this, and I'm sure people can try to convince me differently, but it does say every knee and every tongue, you know, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow and, you know, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, when does that happen? Right. So if that's going to actually, if everybody's going to confess and bow, that doesn't sound like any rejection going on. So we need to deal with all that. And maybe if we have so much junk that we can't deal with, what does that stuff mean? We need to really broaden, not in a sense of um, losing anything. We just need to broaden our understanding of what uh, God's love's about, too. So, 
Okay, let's. Uh, we're gonna wrap up as we got a couple of weeks or at least one. But what we're gonna do? Uh, we're gonna do something different. I'm gonna wrap up early because uh, Grayson's playing in a uh, his first basketball middle school basketball game. So I'm gonna get out of here. Uh, but we're gonna start with verse 31. Next time we meet in a couple of weeks, and I want you to be thinking about. Um, if you want to read some of chapter 11, okay? So what we're going to do for chapter 11, and yes, it's because I want to speed things up a little bit, but I have questions, so we're going to discuss things, okay? But chapter 11, it's like, it's so plain and simple. It's like, okay, here's Noah, and this is why Noah, you know, and so it's not like we need to dive into a whole bunch of stuff, and I think there's some beauty in just reading it, so we're going to break it out into parts, you know, so if you want and you think you want to read a part or whatever, I'm not going to tell you the parts yet, but you can just read chapter 11, familiarize yourself with your version of the Bible, it doesn't have to be our translation of it or mine, and we're going to break that out, then we're going to read chapter 11, we're going to ask questions as we go through it, because there's some really good questions that will pertain to us and our faith, okay? And then we're going to hit chapter 12, which is outstanding, and chapter 13 as well, which will close us out, okay? So that's kind of where we're going to be on that. Um, So we'll start with verse 31, um, because technically... The whole idea, it won't it will be easy for us to look at, but the whole thing is you need to keep the faith. You need to continue. This is what he's saying. You need to continue believing just like you believe. Continue to believe the promises of God. Continue to persevere through whatever suffering you're dealing with because let me tell you about all of those that did. And these are the heroes of faith. And so then chapter 11 comes. So it's kind of a really cool way of how, you know, don't reject, don't give up. I encourage you, you know, stick with it, and then you're going to see all these great heroes of the faith. So that's kind of a cool argument, scripture, or sermon style. So, all right, well, go in peace. Thanks for the discussion. Thanks for all the heretical beliefs out there. <laughs> I hope it doesn't keep you up tonight. I hope it doesn't keep you up tonight. That's right. <laughs>